It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to episode five of the official Nerd Talk podcast, Geek Speak. I'm your host, Sean, and joined as always on this... I don't have additives this time. Uh, episode... Is my co-host Josh Rudy Rudolph. This is the podcast where I watch movies, make movies, play games, and more. What else can you ask for? I'm so disappointed in you for not having an adjective ready for me. How dare you? No, no. Usually I have like wacky, inventing, or silly, magical episode. But okay. But did you like your nickname this time, Josh? Notice uh, something? Just... I, I'm bad at listening. There was none because last week you said your fair uh. Of the superheroes' names was no name. So this time, I gave you the no name treatment. Oh. I know. Continuity. Continuity that we somewhat have. Sure, why not? I've not watched, like, besides what we're talking about this week, I've not watched, like, anything else. So you watched something this week. What'd you watch, Josh? I I have watched a couple of things. Um... The day after we recorded the podcast, I uh, went to the theaters to see The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. That's the third film in The Conjuring series and the God knows how many movie in that whole cinematic universe. And boy, without James Bond directing, did it just become the most average of things. It was so boring. Um, it wasn't that scary. And overall, it's just like, this is just nothing. Also, it was dimly lit as shit. Like, apparently, like, most modern horror filmmakers think that if your scene is so dark you can't tell what's going on, that means it's scary. It does not, but so many directors think it does. Overall, it's a meh. I wouldn't say go see it, unless you're, like, you're someone that likes horror movies. And even then, this is not one I would recommend. Um, another horror movie I watched this week, um, was Psycho. That was the first time I had actually seen Psycho, and I really loved it. But, the problem with it was that I knew pretty much every big twist and turn of the film, um, so when that stuff happened, it, like, I knew it was coming, and it didn't, obviously didn't surprise me. Um, and with this film specifically, I think knowing the twist, like, really hindered my enjoyment of it. That doesn't mean it's a bad film, not by any measure. Uh, but I think that if you haven't seen, like, the spoilers or anything like that, don't go seeking them out. Because for this film, like, not knowing is going to be a lot better and a lot more fun. But yeah, Psycho was good. I've literally yes. only seen the shower scene. I mean, stabby, most stabby. people have. The stabby stabby. Reep, that... reep, reep. Also, you watch something called Limbo, which your review says it gets sad. So that's neat. Yes. Um, uh, I'm not going to get into a whole thing, but it's, um, it's like this indie, um... 
well, I guess kind of indie foreign comedy uh, about a Syrian refugee um, who's living in Scotland awaiting uh, his approval for asylum. Um, and just kind of like the ups and downs of that all. Um, it starts out like really funny, like the cinematography, um, like really embodies like Wes Anderson type of movies. Um, uh, but then as the film like progresses, like and starts to get more and more into like the actual reality of the situation, it, uh, the cinematography doesn't change, but does it become it becomes so much more depressing because of it? Like it's a genius use of it. Um, but Limbo is great. Um, when it comes out to, I don't know if it'll come out to a theater near you, uh, but once it comes out to like streaming, um, or digital stores. I would recommend checking it out. It was really good. Nice. Um, one thing from a listener we got uh, was from my friend Nathan. He told me that to tell you that you have a radio voice. And I I want to hear what everyone else thinks. Does Josh have a radio voice? Email us to tell us if his voice is radio E. Does this mean I get to play Debbie Ryan's character in Radio Rebel or not? Because that's what this has all been no, building towards. You're now it the villain in the next one. No, that's not as fun. I want to be Debbie Ryan's character. I want to do that hair tuck thing that she does. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> and that's a decom we'll get to eventually. Yes. Which I've seen that Who, one. I watched it on the car ride to New York City one time. I just remember seeing like the commercials for it, but I never actually watched it. Uh, for those who don't, do not know, decom stands for Disney Channel Original Movie. Every week on this podcast, we go through a different Disney Channel Original Movie. To analyze the patterns of them over time, see how they evolve and grow for how Disney caters towards children. Uh, this week, we're not doing that. <laughs> no, we are changing up the formula. But we're doing it come back next week, don't worry. And next week, we're doing whatever comes after Xenon. Can of worms. Can of worms, a.k.a. not how to eat fried worms, which already happened in Brink. Um, yeah. Yeah, so next week... We'll go back to decoms, but this week we are not because we have two main topics instead of one main topic. We talking Loki! <laughs> Loki is the god of the mischievousness. And I'm excited to talk about the mischievousness because he goes, woo, green. <laughs> the best possible way to ever describe Loki. I am I'm operating at about like 30% capacity right now, Josh. My battery is low. Dude, I'm always at 30% capacity. Right now I want to just be I wish I could just be eating food right now, but we have a podcast too, so I can't be eating food. It's disappointing. So anyway, Loki, we're, I'm excited to talk about Loki. We're also talking about yes. the In the Heights film, which is funny cuz I actually have seen In the Heights on stage before. So we get two different perspectives on someone who in these a little more fresh than someone else who didn't. That being said, Loki, yeah, Loki was not based on anything in particular, and is, that's always fun. It's an amalgamation of a lot of different things. Uh, as always, we'll do non-spoilers first, then spoilers, but that's me. We're going to get into spoilers for Loki very quickly. Yes, because we that kind is, of have to. It's not a lot you can... Well, at least we're going to spoilers for other MCU films fast. Like, yeah. for, to talk about Loki, you will have half to have seen Avengers Infinity War and Endgame and all three Avengers, every, all Avengers films. Every every movie Loki's been in, you'll have to have seen. Because as a, you were not, even if we don't spoil Loki the show yet, that one will come up. Yeah. Or those ones. Uh, do you want to do news first or the topics first, Josh? Uh, let's get into news first. Because, of course, we're back with the Knives Out castings. <laughs> Yay! We didn't have it last week, and that was disappointing. Is last week the only week we didn't have Night Out 2 casting? I think so, because, like, um, during the second, um, 
right before our second episode when we recorded, there was like four or five more right. people that had just been cast. So this is our oh, this is episode five though. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So Knives Out two sequel casting because oh wait, first off, nay, because it's going to Netflix instead of. Of course, it, it always has to be a nay because Netflix. For anyone who doesn't know, okay, well, we love Netflix, but for anyone who doesn't know, well, in the series, we do a yay or nay for each bit of everything. And for this specifically, for the, any Knives Out 2 casting, we always have a flat nay. Any Knives Out 2 news because it's not going to theaters and it makes us upset. It was originally, but then Netflix said, here's hundreds of millions of dollars in Lionsgate. It was just like, ooh, money up front, I will gladly take. Which honestly, same. But like, I mean, yeah, but still, it pisses me off. Yeah, so nice out to uh, the Outer Banks star Madeline Klein joins Daniel Craig in the sequel, reporting by Deadline and other places. Fun! <laughs> Following her breakout role in Netflix smash hit Outer Banks, Madeline Klein has found her first major studio role um, following the show's debut, as she is set to join Daniel Craig's next installment in Knives Out, which Netflix recently landed the rights to uh, from also there's Dave Bautista, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, I almost said Catherine Kahn, uh, Leslie Adam Jr., Kate Hudson, Edward Norton have all been in the cast too, and that's all been great. Uh, what do you think of this news right now, Josh? I have not seen uh, Outer Banks yet, um, but uh, like the first Knives Out, um, like with Ana de Armas, like the only thing I had seen her in was Blade Runner 2049, um, and she was good in that, but I didn't know like if she was going to be able to like lead a film, and, and she, she was did. just, um, she was fantastic in it. Um, I have, we have no idea how big Madeline's role is in this, um, and since this is like her first big major movie role, I am really curious to see, um, what she does, um, as well as the rest of the cast, um, but yeah, I'm excited for Knives Out too, but still nay because Netflix. Pretty much ditto to everything. Before I say anything about this, uh, my thoughts on this casting in general, sorry about last week's audio uh, problems. Some came up because we recorded in a very different setup since we recorded so late, I didn't have the same uh, setup as we usually would. That being said, that'll be fixed on from this one is fixed and then going forward is fixed. But about this casting, back to that. Yay, because I trust Ryan Johnson? Yeah. That's kind of how, honestly, most of, the, most of these castings will probably be a default yay on who they are because it's Ryan Johnson's directing, even if they're bad. I really trust him as a director. Okay, even if you don't like Last Jedi, the performances were still good. This yeah, no, there's there's not been a single person he has casted in any of his movies that I've seen that has been a bad choice. Looper, Last Jedi, Knives Out, everyone is perfectly cast. I trust him, and that's cool. So, that's that news. Also... What, you might ask us, why do we talk about this one if we have not known who this person is? We are avoiding some other news this week because we don't know full information about it, but this one, it's Knives Out 2, and we keep talking about it, so we can't stop at this point. It's kind of become a segment on our when we talk about news. <laughs> like We always have to talk about the Knives Out 2 casting, even if we don't know who the actor is. <laughs> because it's, and it's going to be a default night, so that's kind of just funny. I don't know. Anyway, it's funny to us, and so shut up. Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being aggressive today. Woo! <laughs> can we just have a laugh break, Josh? Yes, we can take a laugh break. <laughs> Thank you! <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, back to news. <laughs> we still don't have theme songs. Give us theme songs. We like them. Uh, yes, that was supposed to be something a, with doo doo, something with doo doos and da das, da -da 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 and maybe a synthesizer. 
Yeah, uh, we're not also don't we're not commanding you to just like please. It's helpful. We like I we no, can't do music do it. first. You must. We you must do it. We don't do the instruments, so it'd be I'm, helpful. I mean, I used to play the saxophone, but like getting me to do that is not going to be good. So Aquaman too. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are the most unhinged, or at least I'm the most, I told you. Maybe I'm operating like 10% capacity, my battery is really dying right now, so I'm so sorry, it's, but I am loving this. It's all good. I have enthusiasm for the Aquamans. Um, I love Aquaman as a character, I've loved, I think the first one's really fun. Like, if you, if you don't think it's great, it's a very fun movie. Aquaman is such a weird movie for me to watch because, like, it is so goddamn fun and, like, doesn't give two shits. And it's just, like, I am fully on board for this. But, like, any time when I just, like, stop and just try to think about, like, what the story is and what's happening and, like, why things happen, I'm just, like, this is all nonsensical and not in the best well, way. You... But, then, but then James Wan's fun direction comes in. And I'm just, like, ah, never mind. I don't care. I'm having fun. Well, I think one thing you don't put it, realize then is that it's literally the story of King Arthur. Like, beat for oh, beat. Oh, no, I could... I... No, I completely see that. I just think that's that there's why like some elements. I just think there's some elements that's just like it's like there's a lot of elements like um like when he goes to Atlantis and like fights his brother for the first time. Like you can completely cut that section out after he gets the map, and you will miss nothing. Like there's no actual real growth that happens uh, in it besides like one flashback. Other than that, it's just there so we can see an octopus play drums, and I love that. Aquaman two. The, the official title is the Lost Kingdom, right? Yes, and yeah. as I said before, um, before we start recording, are they trying to find Atlantis? Because they've already found it. They live in it. So what Lost Kingdom are they trying to look for? Just fucking... What? Uh, you already found it, bitches. You, you're there. <laughs> if you lost it, I'm very concerned. That being said, I think they mentioned there wasn't... They say they, they there was a Lost Kingdom, Atlantis. Isn't ah. that where, um, past the Trent, past the Kraken, where she stayed? The Lost Kingdom? The mom? Maybe. That might might be past Julie Andrews. Because that's also something. Julie Andrews turned down a cameo in Mary Poppins Returns to voice the giant kraken in Aquaman, and I fucking love that. Uh, so, yeah. I think Lost... Because they said in the first one, I think there was a Lost Kingdom of Atlantis. Like, so there were, like, seven kingdoms, and one of them, like, fell and was lost forever. I think that Lost Kingdom was the one that was past the trench creatures that they couldn't get to and guarded by the kraken, where we meet that, the mysterious Yeah, character. that makes sense. It's about that mysterious place where there's dinosaurs. There are dinosaurs in Aquaman One. I don't. This is how it. This is how it connects to Jurassic World. Jurassic World takes place in that world. And because Fast and the Furious said they're open to a Jurassic World uh, <laughs> crossover, that means why Vin Diesel is now in the DCEU as his character from Jurassic. <laughs> I can't. It, at the end of Fast Furious 9, John Cena uses an interdimensional time-traveling car um, to travel dimensions through time with Vin Diesel just so they can fight forever across different dimensions. Make it happen, you cowards! And they have found the Aquaman. <laughs> anyway, it's called uh, The Lost Kingdom. <laughs> that's the news. They started filming. That's that's what's happening. Production off Aquaman 2 is starting happening. There have yeah, not been major... Uh, I yeah you're nay Josh for the title uh, and production starting. I'm I'm giving it a yay for production starting, but also nay because as far as no, I know, Amber no, Heard is still. No, you um, can give cast. only one. You know this. Uh, fine, I uh, I'll give it a nay because Amber Heard is still cast in the movie. As far as we're aware, 
I like the title though, and I'm intrigued at. I'm. I forgot about about blah blah blah. blah, blah. <laughs> you forgot about Amber Heard, didn't you? Yeah, I forgot about Amber Heard. So now I'm conflicted because I was about to give us a very hard yay, and now I'm like, eh. <laughs> I'm gonna give it now a nay. Um, that being said, I think both Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, at, they're both actors in real life, so we don't know how much we can believe on either side of the either story, because there's a lot. Um, I'm not going to get into that whole range of things. That, that's a whole thing. <laughs> but I'm, I want to count, I want WB to have more accountability for their, in general, so. More accountability in everything. Right. <laughs> Because they're doing a bad job at it. But, nay. Because the herd girl's back. I don't think I've ever heard anyone <laughs> reference to her as the herd girl. Well, now you have. Would you already call her, uh, I don't know, ginger with the scales? No, that's weirder. <laughs> Go, I'm, we're sticking with the herd girl. Okay, uh, next up on the news docket, there's a rumor. We don't often talk about rumors, but this one's pretty big. Um, that the in Black Panther Dose, number two, actor... That's a name. Uh, T-E-N-O-C-H space H-U-E-R-T-A? Tano Huerta? I've never heard of him before this, so I don't know what he's done how to pronounce his name so i very much apologize um uh i'm on imdb he is a hispanic actor um who's mostly done it looks like spanish uh speaking stuff so if he is cast um in black panther 2 this will be one of the first big english speaking roles um especially as a lead he was in uh narcos uh, mexico from 2018 to 2020 he's inspector he was inspector the james Bond as film. He is inspector as Mexican man in lift. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this, uh, he's in the he's in the newest Purge movie. Um, I don't know how big his purge. role is going to be. The Forever Purge. Oh, he's in Stand Clear the Closing Doors, which we both watched. We did. I forgot about that movie. Um, he plays Ricardo Senior. Is that that's the, that's Ricky's dad? The main character in that. Okay. Uh, so we have, so we seen, have him. seen him in something. But I, I remember don't we, remember. He's barely in it, to be fair. That movie was focused Gr on a kid on a subway. Granted, we were like half awake while watching that movie. Um, sorry, Fuchs. That's a professor we watched the movie before. I'm going to give this one a, a nay, actually, though. Because I actually would have preferred... Hmm. I like giving unknown actors more roles, though. Hmm. I've not seen him in anything, so I can't judge that off anything. I'm going to give the idea of Namor a yay. That's He's cool. And it connects the Fantastic Four a lot. If you don't know, there's a weird, kind of cheaty relationship between Invisible Woman and Namor a lot. I think I, I think I know like just a tiny bit about that. I think during the Civil War uh, comic, I think that was the first time I, I noticed it. Yeah, sometimes he low-key kidnaps her. Anyway, we're moving past that fast. Um, <laughs> Namor's a very interesting character. You know who also Namor is called Namor, Namor the Submariner. He is the title of the first mutant, not because he was the first mutant canonical like, in the timeline of Marvel, but he is in Marvel Comics issue one. Namor, yeah. Is, yeah, he is a the first written mutant in Marvel. He he's an old boy. 
Uh, he's also basically Aquaman. They're both kings of Atlantis. So we went from Aquaman news to Aquaman news, man. Yeah, uh, but Namor is more villain than Aquaman is. I would say anti-hero. Well, yeah, but more evil than Aquaman is. He does has, more not good things. He has his own agenda. He works for himself. Namor yeah. is also a badass. He is shirtless all the time. He all he wears a speedo, and has like little green chukus with wings on them. That's pretty cool. Uh, he has fun eyebrows too. Like Namor's staple on his look is like his eyebrows and features. I would say look wise, I probably would have casted an East Asian actor. I don't. I'm surprised that they went with Spanish actor. Just because look wise, he always to me felt like an Asian character. Mm -hmm. Oh, like Atlantean, of course. But like look wise, he I interpreted the character as being an Asian actor who would play him. Similarly with Terry McGinnis in Batman Beyond, because mm -hmm. uh, if you if it's and if the race is ambiguous enough, I would have gone with that one for that for this one character. But I love giving more actors a chance, so that's cool. I think I changed my own mind here. I'm gonna give it a yay now. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my own mind. Just I, I'm going to give it a yay because uh, uh, unknown actors always love casting them. Uh, I completely 100% trust Ryan Coogler in everything he does. I've not seen a single bad film of his. Um, and to comment on like the, the race of the character, uh, Fishman underwater, similar to discussions of like, uh, like, uh, how like aliens like should be betrayed like um in terms of like the race it does not matter in oh, most I cases agree. it does not it does not matter I, so to me like if people are complaining like for that specific reason I'm just like he is a fish man who lives underwater it does not matter 100% agree with that i'm the race does not matter the character to me i don't want him to be white i'll say that one and don't think his character should be white at all my thing was i was surprised it was the race that shows that's all yeah um, because the character looks like an Asian man to me. Yeah. Like an East Asian, like, he looks, I'd say probably Korean, um, like South Korean. But again, mm -hmm. that's just from a white man's perspective on how a fictional a Atlantean fish man looks. When in reality, he was probably drawn to be a white man. Oh, so, most, def most so, definitely. So, <laughs> what matters here? I'm glad a person of color is getting this role. That's great. I'm glad a fan is getting this role. That's cool. Um, I really want more people of color to play superheroes and be in films. Please, restore the Snyderverse. If only to give Ray Fisher and Wayne D. Carr and Ryan, uh, the actor played Ryan Choi, give them their roles back. Please, WB. Movies can be frustrating. That was that was close to the mic. We both gave us the A. Woo. What's next? Um, Jusu Diop! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, an actual professor that I've had twice now um, in school is making a film that Anna Diop, who was in Titans as Starfire and still is, is going to be in. That's pretty awesome. And Michelle Monaghan, who has been in many giant Hollywood movies and shows as well, has just been cast uh, earlier today. Anna Diop is fantastic. She's great. Remember when we were rewatching Us and I pointed out to you that uh, that was Starfire and that was uh, Black Manta and your mind was blown? Yeah, she's great. I remember <laughs> I remember when uh, like I was going to rate it on Letterboxd. You saw I gave it like four and a half and you're like... Giving a four and a half, what problems are there? And I was just thinking, I was just like, 
oh shit, there really aren't any problems. Never mind, and give it five stars. <laughs> I don't think us. I don't think it has a problem though. Like I don't see any issues with the movie. Sometimes like, in my free time, I just like scroll through like an actor's like IMDb and just start going down this weird rabbit hole, just exploring where everyone and everyone is from and what they've been in. I love how we have gone down. I love how we started talking about like the movie our professor has made, and now we have devolved into the movie Us. So, Josh, what is this movie called that is uh, Anna Diop and Michelle Monaghan are in? Yes, the movie is called Nanny. Um, and our professor, she is directing it. Uh, I want to say that she is writing it as well. Have you had her I could yet? be wrong on that. Huh? Have you had her? I've not. The, uh, the only interaction I remember having with her was during the film festival, um, last fall, um, when she, uh, she commented about, like, the video essay I had made, um, it just kind of had, like, that brief, uh, exchange. But other than that, I have not, um, uh, had her as a professor. Uh, yes, the article says that she is writing and directing the movie. Uh, so what it's about, um, it's a timely thriller that puts the immigrant story front and center. The film follows an undocumented nanny, uh, played by Diop, uh, who takes a job caring for the privileged child of a wealthy Manhattan family on the Upper East Side, and hopes that she may earn enough money to bring her six-year-old son from West Africa to live with her in New York. As Aisha prepares for the arrival of her young son, a violent supernatural presence invades her reality, threatening the American dream, in quotes, uh, so she painstakingly pieced together. Uh, it was selected as a screenplay for the 2019 Sundance Institute Creative Producing Lab and Summit. Uh, the script was chosen for Sundance's 2020 Writers Lab and the 2020 Directors Lab. Um, the script was also featured on the 2020 Blacklist. That's pretty fucking big! Jusu is an amazing professor. I'm so glad I've gotten any advice from her. She's read Her reading on scripts is really cool, so... I've not been taught by her, but from what I have heard, I've heard she's fantastic, and I wish that I've had her as a professor. You never will now, sadly, I don't think. <laughs> That's not fair! <laughs> this movie, I'm giving it a hearty A because, uh, that's awesome, and we know this person. I'm giving it a hard yay, so that way we might be able to get in on these film sets as well. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> No, I'm just, no, no, I'm no, just no, kidding. No. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm giving, I'm giving this a genuine yay. I am excited, not just for her, but for the film as a whole. I love this casting already. I am very excited to see what it's going to be like. I want to see everyone from Titans do more amazing stuff because the cast is fantastic in that yes. show. They're so good. Like I've heard people have uh, want to cast uh, Ryan Potter, who plays Beast Boy, as Invincible uh, for the new movie. Yes. I'm just like, yes, do that, please. He's so good, and everyone. In the... Oh god. So that's the Anna Diop news. <laughs> it, it divulged a lot, but still, g support the movie when it comes out. Nanny, you said. Uh yes, that is yes. what it is called. Uh, by Nikiada Jusu, and she's awesome, Nikiadu. Um, next up is also that involves DC-ish things. Uh, the Blubbidil. Uh, you want to try that again, buddy? Blubbidil. Blue Beetle, actually telling you in continuity, the second mm -hmm. Blue Beetle, a.k.a. Jami Reyes, uh, I think that's how I pronounce it, he is a Hispanic character, but the Blue Beetle movie is now going only to HBO Max instead of to theaters, which really bothers me. First I'm off, not happy. I'm not happy. Blue Beetle, oh, also, Anna Diop, yay. Cast, uh, Nicky Adjusu, yay. Uh, Blue Beetle, this news is a nay because first off, any movie, any movie right, right streaming that should be in, that should very clearly be in theaters is a nay because this is part of a DC the DCEU. This goes back to is it dead or not? We don't know because this is all confusing. <laughs> but 
Blue Beetle's an amazing character. He's kind of a mix of a lot of things. Like, if you like Power Rangers, you might like Blue Beetle. If you like Green Lantern, you might like Blue Beetle. This character is awesome. He has an, a Scarab Beetle on his back that becomes an armor that reacts to his thoughts and movements. It's like Armored Venom. But it works with him and not to kill people. I actually know a tiny, a small bit about Blue Beetle because he was a character in the Injustice 2 video game. <laughs> um, and when I heard the news that Blue Beetle was going to be an HBO Max movie, I was just like, is he a Hispanic character? I can't remember. And then like I like wikipedia him and like it just kind of said that he was more kind of alien and stuff. So I'm just like, this doesn't really help me. Uh, but now confirming with you that he is a Hispanic character, I'm like, ah, yes. I'm starting to see a pattern here. Reyes is, yes. The man who is the, the boy is the host of the Scarab. See, why does that matter? Why does race matter? Um, because of the pattern that WB is showing with their DC properties. Warner Brothers right now has been sidelining all their people of color, and it's insane that it keeps happening. Like, they've been called out yeah. on it. They've had, like, an actual lawsuit to, against them with Ray Fisher, and they're still doing this. I Why? Because I'm looking now at, like, the future DC projects that have been announced. Uh, Static Shock, that's an HBO Max movie. Uh, Blue Beetle, an HBO Max movie. Zaytana uh, has not been confirmed yet, but I'm going to go out on a whim here and say it probably will be HBO Max. Batgirl, I'm pretty sure, was confirmed to be uh, an HBO Max uh, project um, from the directors of the Miss Marvel show and Bad Boys for Life, uh, both of who, they are not white. I don't want to get their race wrong, but I know they are not white. Okay. A pattern here, you say, yes, there is a pattern. Also, there's nothing wrong with supporting your streaming service at HBO Max. That's great. Put things on there. How about you put all these movies on there after they've gone to theaters? That sounds better. WB sidelined uh, Martian Manhunter, Jon Stewart, Ryan Choice the Atom, uh, Ray Fisher's the, uh, Cyborg. They canceled they the canceled, Cyborg movie. They canceled uh, Ava DuVernay's uh, New Gods. Gods movie. Uh, they canceled the trench. Um, I don't know much about that, but that was something else that they canceled. By James and, Wan, a person of color as well. Yeah, but he is directing Aquaman too. But also, like that's like the one one of the few exceptions to this because you have a Polynesian actor in the lead role and James Wan directing. And they only ha that only happened because Aquaman one made a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, like literally a billion dollars. Um, meanwhile, they're making super pets. <laughs> Starring Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart as Ace the Bat-Hound. Bat Which, that's great. And that also is supporting people of color. But they're also huge, huge, huge celebrities. And it's also, an an, it's also an animated, animated movie. movie. That's not all DCEU. They are just sidelining the people of color. So that's a huge nay. Because also, Blue Beetle is an amazing character that should be on screen. And that watching him, as usually a teenage character, interact with like characters like Superman and Batman would be really freaking cool. We, we love WB. They're making great choices. I hope that the Discovery merger changes a lot of heads, because I think that if it does, it might improve things. So Lord of the Rings is cool, Josh. Lord of the Rings is cool. <laughs> I rewatched the trilogy uh, a few months ago. Uh, great trilogy. Great movies. Lord of the Rings is amazing. If you've not read or watched Lord of the Rings, what are you doing? Get the podcast. Go watch or read it. It's great. I, I own the movies for like three years and for some reason never watched them. Why? I don't know. And I got you to watch them. Well, our, roommate, our roommate slept. I don't know how he slept through those, but that man is a mystery. The Horn of Gondor, he's calling you. Get up, Dodge. Get out of bed. 
Anyway, uh, Lord of the Rings is fantastic, and there's news. Also, yeah, <laughs> all we're saying is Lord of the Rings is great without any news. So exactly, that's that's the news. Lord of the Rings is just great. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter reports that that's a good way to word that. Um, okay, so Lord of the Rings anime movies in the works from New Line, uh, and Warner Brothers Animation. Jeffrey Addis and Will Matthews, the creators behind Netflix's Emmy-winning The Dark Crystal, Age of Renaissance series, are writing The War of Roharim, or Roharim, uh, which is being directed by uh, Kenji uh, Kamiyama. Kami... Kenji K. <laughs> anyway, I am fully on board with this, and also anime, like, that style would look so cool with this, like, Eastern European feeling. That, that sounds cool with this. Yes, I am just hearing just hearing the news of something like this that um like it just get it gets me excited. Cause the last thing we had in this in Middle Earth was the Hobbit trilogy. And I didn't watch the third one yet. <laughs> I still haven't I had the choice of seeing that or the Seth Rogen movie, the interview that almost caused World World War Three. I was just like, I'm more intrigued at seeing what almost caused World War Three than how the Hobbit trilogy ends. <laughs> That's fair. I will also say that this is a big yay for me because I love the Lord of the Rings. Um, but also because anime is pretty dope. And seeing this, yeah. the, an anime version of a amazing war from... I forgot which era it's in. Do you think it's going to be uh, in like a traditional like 2D anime style? Or yes. do you think they're going to do like a 3D CG um, kind I of style? I definitely think it will be um, 2D. Okay. I don't know why I say that because I don't have any evidence for this, but I think that's that's just what I'm I'm calling that now. If I'm wrong, I will Venmo Josh. No, if I'm wrong, Josh will Venmo me his money he owes me. <laughs> hey, 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 this is not how that works. And if I'm right, he'll still have to do it because he owes me money. <laughs> Damn, you're right. <laughs> no, but anyway, if if I'm wrong, I will. Josh, you will owe one less dollar. Oh, yay! But overall, I'm really excited for this. I as I keep saying. Just Lord of the Rings is so good. It's so good. Watch Lord of the Rings. Don't watch. The we'll Hobbit. eventually well, talk about the podcast. We're gonna watch the extended editions for this one day <laughs> and just go on this for like a rant. Oh, I th wait for the Hobbit or for the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings extended editions. Oh, I thought you were gonna say we're gonna have to watch the Lord the Hobbit uh, extended editions. There's not extended. I don't think there's extended ones for that. There are. Oh, they oh. make they make each of them like three hours. I think except for Battle of Five Armies, that it only makes it like two hours and forty. All right. Well. Boa Fett has news, too. Oh, wait. We say yay for Lord of the Rings. Yay. News, the Battle of Rohirrim. Next piece of news. Do, 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 do. Boba Fett production happened. Yes. And my note the... this just says Josh talks about it. <laughs> uh, so if you have seen uh, the second season of The Mandalorian, um, we find... Well, we find out some things about Boba Fett. Um, and at the end of Mandalorian Season 2, uh, we got a tiny tease that a show called The Book of Boba Fett um, was going to get made. And now it has rap production. Um, it has the actor that played Jango Fett uh, playing Boba Fett uh, for obvious reasons. Ming-Na Wen is reprising her role from The Mandalorian as well. But I imagine Dave Filoni has some involvement, and I believe Robert Rodriguez as well. It's got... Disney. I'm gonna give it a yay. Cause, um, actually, no. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be bad to Josh. I'm excited for this. So I'm gonna give it a nay, on a petty reason that I don't really want more Star Wars content right now. 
I love Star Wars. I like one more. I want. I would not. I want a break from Star Wars, though. Like an actual dude. Disney take a break. This is Disney, dude. That ain't happening. No, I know. This is my one obligatory Disney stop for Star Wars. I think the next movie won't be for Star Wars won't be until Patty Jenkins her Star Wars movie comes out, but that's not going to be an episodic thing. No, but then, um, and, and go on. Uh, it's it's supposed to be some spinoff, but not like uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, or Rogue One. It's going to be actually something different. Um, so I'm excited for that. That's not part of this news, but I'm excited for that. Sure. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the next time we talk about Boba Fett or anything else Star Wars related, I will not take into account the idea of Disney should stop making Star Wars things. Yeah. This is my one obligatory Disney stop, therefore nay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the news. Do, 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 do. Woo. Thank you for still listening to us at this point. <laughs> First thing that's happened is Loki. Loki. Episode one was he's... called for glorious, a glorious purpose, which is a reference to Avengers one. He said that before. I know that reference, and that's oh. a reference to Avengers. Thank you for knowing things, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. Loki, the god of mischievousness, he walked into a desert. By teleporting. With a rock. It's not a rock, it's more cube-shaped. But sure, why not? No, it's not a rock, it's a boulder! <laughs> oh, Spongebob. The pioneers used to ride these babies for miles. He's a friend. Anyway, Loki's great. Because it makes things a lot different in the MCU now for one reason. The sacred <laughs> timeline. And that's not spoiler. Yes. That's not, I'm not saying anything about that yet. And spoiler, we're gonna talk about spoilers later. But for that one thing, that gets confusing. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so bef before we get into like our thoughts, let's give a brief synopsis of what's happening in the show. I don't know if we can uh, yet without spoilers because it, that's it's only, it's only one episode. I I can form a I can form a way. Okay. Um, and if you think that it's it's spoiler filled, you can just cut it out. It's Endgame. Uh, yes. So. <laughs> After certain things that happen in Endgame, uh, Loki uh, is now arrested by what is uh, the Time Variance by Alliance. By Owen Wilson. <laughs> with, by Owen Wilson. Um, and for reasons of meddling with the timeline. Um, and so now Loki uh, has no idea who he is or what his purpose in life is. And now because of Owen Wilson and things that are happening in the timeline, he might have found a, re a new reason or purpose. Because of Owen Wilson. <laughs> Only because of Owen Wilson, Mr. So, Kachow himself. Before we get into spy lie lies, um, spoilers, spy lie lies. Look, I'm lowering my capacity right now of battery. It's now down to fifteen percent. From I thought you said it was at ten percent. I meant to say it. So that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put it like six now. Loki, this episode. Are, are you Loki now? Loki, this episode's wild. First off, they had a cool reference to Iron Man 1. If you didn't, if you didn't catch the reference, they were the exact, like, almost shot-for-shot shot recreation of the scene where Iron Man, where Tony Stark is in the desert, flung, falls in there with all his metal pieces. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was a direct reference, if you didn't, I don't know if you caught that. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. I like that, because it's also a kind of new beginning for this character. And where yes. the whole journey of him new, now starts, which is interesting, because that's exactly the turning point for Tony Stark, too, where he's, like, lost and alone. And that's a good way to start that. I like that. Yeah. That, that little mirroring. 
For me, uh, one of the things I absolutely loved about this um, is the production design and the way the cinematography and lighting is. It feels so different from every other MCU project, but still feels like it's a part of it. Um, it's it's great. I love the look. I love the feel of it. Uh, it made me so happy, just the whole episode. Nice. I, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. I have a problem with costumes, though, one thing. On a small thing. The TVA, the Time Variance Authority, which are also in the comics, um, travel through time, naturally. And they don't change their clothes according to time. There's a moment where a little girl sees Owen Wilson, today's world Owen Wilson. <laughs> Again, he's yes. called Mobius. But I'll get into that in a minute because that's also a cool reference to something else. He, and he's wearing a suit and tie. And it's like the 1500s. I would be so confused that I saw a demon if I was her. Well, I mean, in, in the context of the show, like, um, the, the the time, the TVA, like, resets, like, time timelines, like, when something has gone wrong. So, by the time that they're gone and they've reset everything, the the people, if they've seen them, they're not going to remember anything that happened. So, the clothing choices that they're wearing, like, at first, it's just like, that's an odd choice for 1572. But, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. Did you know the exact year? No, I was making a okay. guess. I knew it was the 1500s. I didn't know the exact year. <laughs> I was very confused by that. Yeah, it was still like, a little weird, though. Yeah. Like, when, you're watching, when you're watching that scene, it's just, wait, you're in a tie. You're wearing loafers, sir. You should not be talking to this woman, this girl. Also, people said, it, said that scene is a reference to, to of course, uh, Mephisto, which is not at all that the... the people... Well, Give people, up the Mephisto theories, well, please. The, the reason why is because it's a it's a stained glass of a devil. The referencing, he's cloaked like a figure we see later in that episode, and he has horns referencing the main character of the show. That's what that was. <sighs> people, enough with Loki the Mephisto has horns. theories. That's why I did that. Cause, okay, what else can we talk about? That's not spoilery. Um. Oh, I know. The cast, the cast is fantastic. The ca Tom Hilson. Tom Hilson. He's he's. He's perfect as always. Owen Wilson, like it's you're gonna get exactly what you hope for, and it's glorious. He's not comedic. I mean, he he has funny moments because it's him as an actor. Just it's his moments are not jokes. He has are. a very charming personality to him um, that is a lot of fun to watch. Not in a comedic way, but it's just like I want to see this guy just like talk and do things all day. Also, I like Owen Wilson with short gray hair. It it works. Yeah, at first I was just, when I first saw it in the trailer, I was just like, "Well, this is different." But like, uh, at at the end of the episode, I'd be like, "I want to see him more with that hairstyle." So about Owen Wilson himself, not the not the man, but the character. His name is Mobius, and if you don't remember in Avengers Endgame, the reason that the way they time travel, the Mobius the strip. Mobius strip. Uh, well, uh, oh, <laughs> you, you remember that before? I didn't. I it never crossed my mind until just now. No one. I've been seeing things, and no one's pointed out yet. The Mobius strip. They have an inverted Mobius strip to time travel, which is a weird. It's, it's nonsense. End game logic, whatever. But they have them say the same name, and that's a, like a really fun little nod reference about time travel. Uh, now the guy we see time travel in this is the named after the thing they use to time travel. Neat. <laughs> Neat. From here on out, we're gonna say spoilers for this episode of Loki, because go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. We can't say too much without spoiling pretty big plot things, so yeah. we're here now. If you haven't seen Loki, you can skip ahead to the In the Heights part, um, or skip ahead to the Super Red Story. Go ahead and do that if you want to. Or go back and watch Loki and hit play. You gone? Okay, cool. Okay, <laughs> so... Where Loki. do we start? <laughs> oh my god. I need to talk about this timeline thing, because it really bothers me. 
when when I first like saw it, um, so like to explain to people that somehow forgot uh, or just don't care, um, there's a video, there's an infomercial video that Loki sees that explains what the TVA is, why he's here, and the timeline. Um, and it's revealed that these three uh, beings, I don't remember what they're referred to as, they but I'm calling the them the timekeepers. Okay, I was going to call them the time gods. Uh, same thing. Um, and at one point, the universe like was just like the multiverse, like everything, everywhere, like it was just other fucking chaos um so these three beings decide we're gonna streamline it all make it all into one big main timeline um so that way everything stays normal and if anyone does anything that makes time a timeline like go askew um and forms a new path similar to how the explanation in endgame was for like when they took an infinity stone the tba will you know stop them correct them and reset them uh, so that way the timeline stays pure i have thoughts and it's mostly that it removes all of the stakes and choice, in a way. And it's super yeah, inconsistent. It's that. super inconsistent. Because well, the time travel in it first introduced in the Endgame was also inconsistent. I think this is way it causes more issues because there's already a huge plot hole. If in their logic, Loki wasn't supposed to escape, that means that they weren't supposed to time travel. That means they weren't supposed to beat Thanos at all. Because here's why: they go back in the '70s, and that wasn't supposed to happen. That means the original, I mean, it's an endgame. Tony Stark and uh, Chris Evans, wait, yeah. Steve Rogers, they go back in time to 2012. But the I, only I'm reason that, that they went back to the 70s was because Loki escaped. Therefore, the TVA should have captured and erased Chris, um, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark in the 70s. I'm going to go on a whim here and say that because their goal was to find uh, the Space Stone, that going to a different point in time was fine because the because the end goal was to, then to get the Infinity Stones and then they were going to put them all back um, to correct the mistakes of the timeline. So that, I'm going with that logic on it. But that being uh, said, it still makes it so there's still an Infinity Stone missing in time. When you introduce time travel in anything, no matter what it is, big or small, it's gonna, it's so goddamn hard just to make it, like, all make sense, both with, like, the rules of how it works and how it works um, consistently in the universe, because at the end of the day, it's all nonsense, but it's nonsense that needs to make sense, and it's some of the hardest sci-fi to make sense. I also saw a tweet that made me kind of, or TikTok made me kind of sad. Remember in Avengers Endgame when Steve says to Falcon, um... To Sam that he, when he asked, do you want to talk about her? No, I don't think I will. There's a good chance because it, that scene kind of erases a lot of Agent Carter otherwise. There's a good chance that a TVA, Steve going back there, trying to be with her, that they took Peggy Carter. I, I like this theory, but as we saw with this episode of how quick the TVA was to capture Loki, I don't think that uh, Steve would have had the time to time travel back to the 1940s, just, like, barge into, like, Peggy's house, like, he somehow magically knows where she lives, kicks down the door, just, like, throws on a record, and then just starts dancing with her, like, on a whim. Because, like, in this world's logic with how fast the TVA works, like, they would be there lickety-split-quick uh, to, right. to stop it. I think you're correct in this. Which also then implies that this is 100% all the exact same timeline. What that means is that the Rootabers were wrong and the writers were right in Endgame about Steve. And, the and the, that it was the same Steve now, who was, who was Sharon Carter's uh, uncle. Uh, this, again, this, you see now my brain is starting to break. But you know what, just... did what I said make sense though? That now it has yes. to be Sharon. That means now for sure Steve Rogers kissed his niece. <laughs> 
Loki, the show, made it 100% confirmed that Steve Rogers kissed his niece. Okay, I'm not defending pedophilia in any way, shape, or form, but there's no way the, that Versa Brothers or the writers knew that that shit was going to happen back in Civil War. No, there's no it's, fucking it's, way. Right. But now it just makes it more awkward. No, exactly. Because before it was like, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Weird timeline stuff. Now now it's confirmed to be one timeline currently, and that's really funny <laughs> to me. The TVA just followed the orders of the timekeepers. Which are now apparently pretty awful people. Yeah, like, the shit that they've, like, let go down just in order to keep, like, the timeline pure, it's just, like, like, not only, like, World War II and, like, so much other shit, but, like, half the universe disappeared, and you did nothing? <laughs> I like that this is probably going to introduce the multiverse, because clearly it's going to break at the end of all this, because it leads Oh, into yeah, Lo Loki's definitely breaking the multiverse. <laughs> Which is fun, because that's what we thought was going to happen in WandaVision, but nope. So, or maybe it kind of did with her kids... It's confusing. But we know that by the end of this, at least, it's somehow going to tie into Doctor Strange 2. Right. Because Doctor Strange is called Multiverse of Madness. Oh, uh, want to know a fun fact? Yes. There's a... Tom Hiddleston recently did an interview where he said he was... On his birthday, he was acting as Loki. He was also spotted in London on his birthday. Meaning, what was filming in London on the time of his birthday was Doctor Strange 2. So he is... He unofficially uh -huh. confirmed he was Doctor Strange 2. Not trying to. Oh, 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 oh. Kind of a big thing relating to this just now. The creator of Loki wrote Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, sorry, I, I didn't, I didn't mention that. Yeah, that's pretty huge. Um, hmm. And in fact, like, Loki is also, because what I just said, kind of accidentally confirmed that he was in that movie. Hmm. That's curious, so sir, and curious, sir. Yep, because the only thing filming in the MCU around that time and in London was that. The plot thickens, literally. Uh, oh, yay. also, this episode, yay or nay? I'm giving it a yay, mainly because of just, like... Because the first thing I was worried about hearing a Loki show was they were going to undo his death in Ragnarok. Or not Ragnarok, in Infinity <laughs> War. And technically, they did. But also, like, the path that they set him on, I fucking love. Um, my favorite thing in this episode was... When Owen Wilson is talking to him, um, and he's talking about just, like, you're a villain. Like, your set path in life is to help, right, like, right. Uh, these people grow. And I My fucking love that. My favorite I love that. Yes. That is genius. Because, uh, like, that makes, like, so much sense. Just, like, technically, your life doesn't matter. It's only there to uh, help these people grow. Essentially, the heroes. Like, right. And, like... That kind of, like, breaks him, in a sense, uh, throughout the rest of the episode. Just, like, finding out, like, oh, there's nothing to my life anymore. And, like, he sees how the rest of his life is going to go. It doesn't end well for him. And it's so also, now he's, like, yeah. he's completely lost. And I fucking love that. My, my favorite part of the entire episode is literally that the line of, you help other people be their best they can be. You don't get to be a best. And, like, it's so cool. Because also, from a writing standpoint, like, that's literally what the def definition of antagonist is. You're like, yeah. The, the, what what an antagonist is to do? They don't. They don't. Antagonists do not have a purpose, like for themselves. Their entire purpose is to get in the way of the protagonist's objective. That is plentiful what they are. So they reduced him in this version of the character to just a simple antagonist, and that's amazing. That's a cool meta writing thing they did. I, lo I love that. And, like, it even makes you think just, like, because um, of, like, how his arc was up to Infinity War. Like, he was starting to get to that level of, like, growing himself. 
But once he got to that point of sacrificing himself um, to save Thor, like that was again like not really for him, but to make sure that Thor like um, grows and like becomes like as fully strong hey. and capable as he can be. You ready? I'm about to make that scene, that scene in Infinity War even sadder. Oh goody! I can't wait. In Loki, if you haven't watched it yet, which you probably should at this point, he sees a, basically a slideshow of his life. He goes through a, a video file of his entire life. You'd think it would say end of file once Thanos chokes him out. No, 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 no. It says end of file after we see a wide shot of Thor holding his body, leading to the conclusion that Loki didn't die instantly. He died in his brother's arms. Damn it, that's sad. <laughs> Right? That's and no one's talking about that either. Or no, no, he died in his arms as the um ship exploded. Right. So, so like even like in that Loki in that moment, he doesn't know if Thor survived. Right. That's what I was, was going to say. The next part of that was that this version of Loki watching himself in his life now believes that he died and then Thor died. Fuck. After watching his dad and mom die, right previously, and then I can the scene before. So he has had he in this show he has had the worst goddamn day of his life. First he loses to the Avengers, he loses all of that. Then he's arrested by these time people. He finds out that his life is meaningless, that it's not it doesn't exist like for himself. Like he has no say in anything. Then he finds out like uh, if everything was normal, like he's gonna fucking die. He's gonna see he inadvertently caused his mom's death. He sees his dad die, and then he doesn't even know if Thor survives. Like and he and he also dies. So just like it's a hell of a fucking day for him i will say that I never put together that he's the one who sent uh the dark elves to friga before this like i never thought i never thought about that when I neither did over. i and that hurt more because <laughs> because wasn't he like sending her the dark elf to like where jane was because that's probably where thor was going to be but he didn't know that his mom was going to be there i don't remember like, where he was sending him to but it was like i thought it was be funny giving him directions like i've seen yeah. Avatar where he's like oh the stairs to the left you can't miss him like that one moment um, but now that scene has so much more weight to it. Yeah, which it's supposed to have had the whole time, but we didn't realize it, so that's fun. Here's another sad moment. Ready for it? Yes. First off, it's, it's played as a joke that Loki, you don't know you're a robot or not? Because there's a scene <laughs> where Loki goes through a robot detector where if you go through it, you just die. Um, and he winces and is like, okay, good. He doesn't know he's a robot. The funniest part of that, the, the saddest part about that scene is he genuinely is questioning it because... Like, in his life, a month ago, he pretty much found out he was a frost giant, not an Asgardian. That's so true. So he grew up his whole life knowing he was an Asgardian for a th over a thousand years of his life. And then, within, like, probably a span of a week for him, found out he was a frost giant, and then wondered, oh, wait, am I a robot instead? What am I? I don't know what I am now. Damn. So that, and now he's never going to be able to get those answers. Right. So that's amazing that they did that little that little scene making him because it's played of a joke it's like oh funny he doesn't know if he's gonna die or not no because he didn't know because he doesn't know what he is for real he's now questioning his own reality i That's love that great. i loved when uh owen wilson was like interrogating him like asking him like do you enjoy killing him like all these things that and showing him everything that he did in the avengers like making him like actually like confront like look at what you have done to and to do to like rule them to like give them like a better life like look at what the fuck you're doing bro so, and like actually getting him to think about that i love that that's my one note like actually wrote down because it it made me re uh reference makes me want to reference arrow of the line i like it <laughs> I didn't watch Arrow before, but that's a funny to say, because there's a villain called Prometheus who tortures Oliver Queen in that show. 
it was like the whole like up two episodes three long episode long thing of him torturing him until get him to say confront it for real and he's like i like killing so this moment just showed that loki says to himself i don't like killing but oliver queen did and that's funny to me the god of mischief is like yeah i don't yeah. like it but oliver's like fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> to be fair oliver was stabbed and tortured into saying it so i don't it probably wasn't actually really real what we thought but it was just like oh neat the infinity stones i love that moment so much because people were like, oh, everyone died for nothing in Infinity War now, in game. They're just cheap objects here? No, no, no. First off, that shows two things. First off, it shows that to them, Infinity Stones are paperweights. That they are they're in a place so much more powerful as an idea. That was, yeah. that, that was what they were trying I to set up. I love that. Right. That's what they were trying to set up. But to me, as someone who's read the comics more, like I read Infinity Gauntlet and stuff and knows this weird fact, that no, no, no. It's not even just that. Infinity Stones them are just rocks because every universe in the Marvel world, multiverse has their own set of Infinity Stones. They only exactly. work. They're only working their own, in their own reality. Exactly, and like the guy says, like, "Oh, we got tons of those," showing that, like, you know, like there have been multiple times where people have tried to use Infinity Stones for whatever reason in multiple different timelines, and that it, they have so many of them that so many people just use them as paperweights that it's a common thing. Like that's fucking insane. That's because they all come from different wrong timelines exactly um, and so they wouldn't work because they're different they were pulled into the outside of the right outside of the secret timeline i guess so in that world they traveled two timelines over to the, to the weird place uh, i i love that was the moment like when loki like realized like oh this shit is real like i'm I, this is not like an illusion or anything like it to them uh infinity stones are paperweights like they are more powerful than like anything that loki could have imagined Overall, great episode, and makes I want to see more. I think it's my favorite out of the three pilots for the Disney Plus shows. Yeah, like WandaVision's like was good, but like it was just kind of it was more there just to like get us used to the kind of feeling, but didn't give us a whole lot of information. Falcon and Winter Soldiers was definitely like very standard, still good, but like nothing incredible. But this stood out. I stand by that Falcon and Winter Soldier is not a TV show; it's one six-hour movie. They just took pauses in. Because that I can, under is, is I can not, understand that. Yeah, it's, it is just one movie, and I want to see if it works better watching the six hours when I'm done with it. Because it yeah, does, still, yeah, I have two you still got what, two episodes. Yeah, I'm watching them tomorrow, both of them tomorrow night. Uh, Fun. Which I'll again touch on next week for the podcast. Overall, yay! Watch Loki. Yay. TV. Owen Wilson doesn't say wow once though. I don't think. I was very disappointed. So then, does that mean does that mean it's an A then? No. But I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a yay for his hair. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a yay for now. But if by the end of Loki, uh, if he doesn't say wow once, wow. the whole thing is getting an A. My impression of Owen Wilson. I'm gonna be like this now. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I was gonna. I don't know. I'm so tired. I've never heard him go not baby talk, but just like I don't I, even know what to describe it as. <laughs> anyway, so in I the heights happened. Yes. Okay, and so, this is... hold on, we're gonna ch topic change. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Second main topic for the day is Owen Wilson. Wait, no. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about Owen Wilson all day long. Owen Wilson? Uh, yes. Okay, so In the Heights is a musical, a Broadway, uh, off-Broadway turned on-Broadway turned movie musical. 
It's it's made by a, a pretty small time um, Broadway writer and performer. I don't know if you've heard of him, Lin Manuel Miranda. He did some weird musical about Alexander Hamilton. I don't know. It's cool to see that he's uh, really gone up there uh, in Hollywood though with this musical. Josh, you made that joke twice now about Hamilton. In the I don't care. I'm, I'm reusing material because I don't remember shit. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I saw the show. Not on Broadway. I saw a local product, like very high quality production of In the Heights years back. Like they they had money, pretty much is what you're saying. The person who choreographed the show I saw was in Hamilton on on Broadway. Like there was a great performance um, production. So I, and it was the original script and music, like original stage version. Uh, the movie's not the same. First off, I'm giving In the Heights two answers, but I'm going to let Josh say some things first. I probably talked about this back in the first episode. I've done musical theater a lot in my youth, but I'm not someone that actively like follows Broadway or sees shows mainly because of money. Um, I never listened to like the In the Heights soundtrack uh, before the movie came out. Uh, so I really knew nothing about going in. You've listened to some I songs because me and my roommate Todd have played it for you. Okay, songs. yes, but I did not remember any of it. How dare you? We were so passionate singing into your face. <laughs> but, so yeah, I really had pretty much almost no knowledge besides Lin-Manuel Miranda co-created. Um, so that was exciting. Then the trailers came out. I loved it. thought it was cool. Got me really excited. Then on Mother's Day this year, there was a free early screening of it. Um, so I went and saw it And you abandoned your mom uh, to see musical. I asked her if she wanted to go, but she had work. <laughs> But I saw it, and I fucking uh, loved it. Um, Sean and I are obviously going to have two very different responses because he knows the show, where whereas I don't. And so I'm going off of this just as a film and what it is and what it does. Um, Which and I'll, to be, me, I'll be re reviewing this because I have two point of views on this. I'll be reviewing this as a film alone and as an adaptation. Okay. Uh, but yeah, for me, it worked like really, really fucking well. The story flowed fantastically. I loved the characters. The musical numbers were just fucking cinematic musical movie perfection. Like it does so much of it so goddamn well. I I miss when movie musicals really just went all fucking out with their musical numbers because like the only ones recently that have done that have been like Grey Showman, um, uh, Rocket Man. A bit of the prom, and now this. I'm probably missing some other ones, uh, but like Disney, like I always rant about this. Disney's live action musicals have sucked, like for the past several years. Like um, Into the no, Woods, they're not, um, they're not adapting the theater. They're adapting the animated movies instead of adapting yes, the theater but, productions. That's but, why they suck. That's that's still no excuse though for like creativity and Agreed. artistry with how the musical numbers can go because like even though you're adapting an animated movie you can still do a lot um, differently or similarly with live action and like the fact that they don't and like even like Lion King is just animals just standing around talking like it drove me fucking insane okay. so to see just every other musical just like absolutely annihilate uh, Disney and musicals it's it brings me so much joy. My friend sent me a tweet today, and I asked me if I agree with this, and I say pretty much yeah. So this is from BlockBustedPod at uh, on Twitter. Their name is Houston Coley. They said there are some narrative choices made in the in the Heights movie that alter the Broadway show and almost exclusively make it worse, which is strange. But the biggest com compliment I can give that show is it completely captures the spirit of the show, and that's what matters most. I almost firmly agree with all of those words. This is a worse show than the Broadway or the theater one. It it is, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, because it's still great. That's what a, a compliment to the overall narrative is. But because this is, it, and this 
to me this is an interesting thing to hear because like like um the original like um writer of the show she wrote um the screenplay for the movie i think she right. was also a producer and then lynn was a producer so like there was like it's not like that someone like just like took the show it's just like aha i'm going to make changes it's just like no they adapted their own thing and made changes that they thought would work best narratively for film because when you adapt anything into film like whether it be book video game musical uh show you name it like Changes are going to have to be made for it to flow See, well. I don't agree with this show for that. The entire order of this has changed. Not entire, but there's a lot of songs that are some important songs cut, and some ones that aren't important that should have been cut. But the order of songs has changed, which changes the entire structure of the story. So when do we want to get into spoilers? I'm going to wait a second still. Um, okay. I like seeing Lin Manuel Miranda as the, as the Peter Ogle guy. That's fun. I I loved him and because he was great. The Peter Ogle guy is funny and a fun moment in the show. If you like the musical, like on Broadway, I think you'll still like this if you can get past all the entirely different script and a lot of changes to characters and motivations and things. Oh, what's now, it spoilers? about? Just va vaguely oh. to you. Uh, I'm curious. To me, because it'll uh, be different. Are you, about, are you talking about themes or like the, just the story uh, in general? The story, but say it in two sentences. In the Heights uh, takes place in Washington Heights in uh, New York City and focuses on a group of people as they try to follow their dreams of like what they want to do with their lives and their passions and things like that. Uh, there's Usnavi, uh, Vanessa, Nina, and Benny. Uh, they're just some of the characters that we follow. Uh, but we see the rest of how, like, how this community is, how close-knit they are, what the neighborhood means uh, to them, and like how tough it is for them to be able to follow their dreams and still be a part of this community and their world, essentially. I'll take that summary. It's a good job. Yay! It's different. <laughs> I'm going to get into spoilers now. I'm very curious to hear... Um, you need to hear things what I have to say. I'm very curious to hear exactly what these differences are because it's obviously not going to change like how I think of it because no. I don't know the show, but I'm still curious. It is very different. Uh, it's a lot of small but still significant changes. Mm -hmm. like that it changes the plot. Uh, first off, in this, Nina's mom isn't dead. That's a big thing. Nina's mom had a pretty big part in the original show and had probably my favorite moment in the whole show. Originally, you know who Nina is, and her, right? If if you've seen the movies in theaters now, it's also on HBO Max at the time of recording this. So <laughs> if you haven't, if you're in the spoiler section and you haven't seen the movie yet, what are you doing? Go watch the movie. Well, where to begin, Josh? With my, with my little rant. I don't so, know. Nina's mom. Any, anywhere. Yeah. Okay, so Nina had she had two parents for one thing. That's the thing. There was no <laughs> someone trying to buy the business. There were also why was Patrick Page in this movie? Do you know who that is? I do not. The white guy who tried to buy from um, the business, the front. Uh, who, who's the actor? What's he been in? He was on Broadway as Green Goblin. Oh, He that's also fun. was Lord Frollo, uh, Claude Frollo in 100 Notre Dame on, on off-Broadway. So it was probably just like Lynn like, uh, really liked his work and just like wanted yeah, he's him a, he's like, also, in, in like a small bit role. Yeah, he's a phenomenal amazing actor on stage like and on screen and stuff so that makes sense he's on broadway he also was the grinch on broadway uh, fun or off broadway he was he was on a professional he was the grinch he was not a, a character in the original and the funny thing is it's a long show originally so the changes they took out songs that, that were really important and replaced it with scenes that weren't if that makes sense yeah um i hate that they still included ninety six thousand in this 
but it was meaningless. I'm going to get into it. Hold on. I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> because 96,000 as a song is such a huge song that everyone knows in the Heights, the musical on Broadway, I'm pretty sure that's the only reason it was still kept in this movie. Because they completely erased the plot of the ticket. That was the story, originally. Abuela Claudia, she didn't hide the ticket. That was really, really, really weird. Because she's supposed to have told Usnavi about it. How does it how does it play out in the, the show the, with the, like the ticket and how it and how it forms the entire story? I'm going to get it. So let's start with this song order is different. They also removed the fifth song Inutil. Um, in, yeah, in it, I can't pronounce. I'm not Spanish. I don't know how to speak Spanish, so I don't. Well, I will probably butcher trying to say the Spanish word. I N U T I L. It's the fifth song. It's after It Won't Be Long Now, which is sung by Vanessa. They also made her a fashion person, which was again was not on the show. That's fine. I get. I, I don't mind giving characters more things to do. That's always fine to me. But don't replace it with other characters giving them less things to do. It was a much better balanced show originally. If you make changes that make the show worse, don't make those changes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so Inuit Tale is the song that the dad sings about his Who I Am story. And mm -hmm. why this mattered so much to him. Why putting his daughter to college mattered so much. His dad was a farmer. His dad's dad was a farmer. His dad's dad's dad was a farmer. And he was told, and you'll be a farmer. And he told him, Papa, I'm going farther. I'm getting on a plane. And I'm going to change the world someday. And he slapped my face, is what happened. So he left his parents behind and went away to New York City. He was getting by and scraping by and trying to get by. And then he, he and his wife started the cab company to give Nina a whole new life. And she went to Stanford. There was never a racial profile thing that happened in the original production. It was about... Was there... What? No, go ahead. I was, was, I was literally about to ask this question. No, not it was not at all about that. It was she dropped out. It wasn't that she was failing as much. It was... I mean, it was hard for her. But it, college wasn't for her. It was more about the idea of being the first person out in your family to go and do something with your life. Like the first, mm. being the pressure, it was about the pressure of being the first generation uh, college student, something like that. And then not wanting that life. And that was the, that was, that was about more. It works with this version, like yes. her reasoning. And um, yeah, I had, I had better thoughts about like how I was going to word it. But yeah, like it, it, it works. I think most things in the movie do work. Every change in the movie still works for this movie. I think that's correct. I don't think they all, none of the changes, though, I think work as well as they did in the originally. So I don't, most of them shouldn't have been changed. That's my biggest takeaway from this entire thing. My, I'm, I'm guessing with Nina, um, with like the, uh, the racial profiling thing, I think that was probably added because A, the world's a horrible place, and B, like people are speaking up a lot more, have been speaking up a lot more about that kind of stuff uh, oh, in recent yeah. years. So that's probably why that they add it now instead of in the original show right. back then. I also, there's one line in the, show, in the movie I absolutely hated, and that's because it's, it's nonsense to me. They're trying to kick out all the dreamers. I know it meant immigrants, I know that's what they were trying to go with it. But the way it's delivered and the way Sunny's like, it, yeah, to me that's like the only like moment uh, or line that like, ever felt forced about. I would just, say about, just about anything. If I heard that, I'm like, what? <laughs> Elaborate, please. Ninety six thousand, the whole ticket thing. You want to hear about that? Because it's very yes, different. I'm curious. First off, uh, Boyla Claudia doesn't die in the blackout. That was a weird choice. Um, when does she die? It it's a better order of things. Carnival de Barrio. It's a song that happens before she dies, not after, when they, they party after her death in this movie. Which made me very I mean, uncomfortable. 
I don't think I would not consider it uh, partying, but more kind of like finding like the joy and spirit in life um, that they lost, like when she died, because she was such a huge part in their community. Um, and to find like that love and passion again that they clearly lost when she died. I would agree. With it's that. not. It's not. It's not just like, yay, we're partying. Ah, she's dead. Ah, who cares? No, I know, but they didn't. It wasn't a, the song was never a, wasn't about her though. It was more of it's hot. Let's stop being. Let's stop complaining. The changing of the order of things because the impact's not as not as big, but also this show in the end originally, it's still about reflection. And they removed the best song in the whole show to me, and I'm very upset. It's everything I know, and it's about Nina's character, where they're going through the Abuela Claudia's things, and they see how much of an impact she had. It's like there's a line that says, "She saved everything I gave her, every little scrap of paper." Our whole lives are in these boxes, and the woman who held them is gone. But we go on. And that, that I love that entire moment of them just seeing how much she cared and them reflecting on themselves and stuff. It's great. So yes, when she dies, right? Mm-hmm. It happens almost immediately after a Carnival de Barrio. They sing it, then they get Atencion, and then Alabanza, and everything I know. There are three songs back-to-back about Claudio's death, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes to Peter Agora Prize, Champagne. And the reason the reason that Usnavi stays was not because they painted the mural to be of his dad's beach. Which, his dad wasn't a thing. Like, that wasn't... He, yes, he had a father, obviously. He immigrated from the from Dominican Republic. But Abuela Claudia was his family. The Rosarios were his family. It was about... A lot of it was about found family. He wanted to go back to home, yes. But Claudia was more important to him than his father was i guess i i don't think that it was necessarily about his dad like he talks about it but it was more just kind of like this belief of like you know like where he came from originally is like you know where he's meant to be and then throughout the film he realizes that where he is now that is where he is supposed to be and then like he can have that like that little dream of just like that little shack he already has that in the bodega sure and i I think it works well in terms of that also i want to just step back to like abuela's death i think from how i saw it like in the movie i was just like ah like in the show like this is this is such a great place like for like the end of like uh act one uh like you have this like big light like joyous kind of moment and then like abuela just gives like this like amazing like song powerful song and then like you know she dies and just like you end act two there like at that heartbreak i was just like ah damn that is not where act one and act two happened like that Blackout is the last song in Act 1, yes. But it's basically a chaos, 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 fireworks, and in Act 1, and everyone's still lost. Everyone is scattered. No one knows where anyone is. So it's so it ends more just kind of, like, scattered, whereas um, um, here it ends in death and depression. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into... The, I need to get this ticket because it changes the entire plot. So, Osnavi originally could never... Didn't had the money to go. He was never... It was not an option for him to leave. It was not possible. He was working and scraping by try to make ends meet and it was a dream to go back but it was never like an at all of visibility in this he was always planning the trip back Ninety six thousand. they figure they have a ticket at one um and then immediately after that song is pacencia fa which is the song that she that in this movie she sung before i guess she died and they changed it to be like she has a line like do i stay or do i go like i do i leave or stay have I oh, done? like that yeah yeah in the original it's what do i do with this winning ticket what can I do but pray? That was the line. Her talking about her life, reflecting on it, and oh my god, what do I do with this? I'm too old, I don't need money for this. And 
that was a, a amazing reveal of, oh, it was her who got it. And that was cool. If you haven't seen this movie or the musical, you're probably very confused right now. I'm so sorry. Be confused. Uh, go watch the movie and then come back here and you can hear my breakdown of how it's so different. So this ticket, then she tells Usnavi, who was pretty much basically her son at this point, basically, or like a grandson. Yeah. Their connection is much stronger. I think it's, it's much more of a solo connection. It was It's like, in the movie, it's she's the, oh, well, to the whole, to everyone, Abuelita, but in the in the original production, it's basically she helped raise Usnavi and Nina more than anyone else. Mostly Usnavi, then Nina, then the kind of the block was like, oh, the nice grandma on the street, you know what I mean? Yeah. And everyone loved her and cherished her, but it was not as much a family. So she then gives a third of the money to Usnavi and a third of the money to Sunny. Also, Sonny was never an illegal immigrant in the original version either. That was a plot added to get rid of the money. But in this, it was the way out for Usnavi. It was, you have, you can now have your dream. And I love the idea that he was, he couldn't get out of this place. So the $96,000 ticket mattered more to people because $96,000 isn't a lot, lot of money in terms of lottery winnings, but it is enough to get you out. And the idea in this movie that you could get out without that was not my favorite thing. Usnavi, it was his way out. And that was a huge deal. And then she died. Heartbreaking scene, by the way. In the movie, it also hurts heartbreaking. It's just very different. And the reason that he stays is different as well. At the end of the movie, he was going to leave, decides to stay after the song Champagne. How do you get this gold shit off? Um, great line. I love that. That made my girlfriend crack up in theaters. Also, the entirety of Champagne is hilarious. It's meant to be. It's sincere versus I'm an idiot who's not realizing what's happening. Which is kind of every guy's life. Yes, exactly that. <laughs> At the end, the reason he decides to stay in the original production is because it wasn't a mural of, of Dominican Republic. It was on the outer like uh, metal grate that locks up the Obedeta. They pulled it down, revealing that uh, Sonny got Pete, the guy with the spray can, to make a mural of Claudia. But the idea was a reminder of everyone he loves is here. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But I think that was more impactful than what they did in the movie. Like, you could have still done the movie, and that would have not a change that needed to happen. That one specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, though, good movie. It's, just a, it's a very different show. Um, they also made Benny and Nina exes instead of a... Which is I didn't like that either, because it changed the dynamic of that, too. Bina, Bina and Nanny? <laughs> uh, Nina and Benny were original... And this, and they're they're flirtatious and stuff, but he it works for Nina's parents to also to make a living to also try and prove to Nina and Nina's family that he is worthy of her love. I don't like that he was present in the movie for the discussion about the cab and Nina saying I'm not going back to college and stuff. And he did I did it for you because that removes a fun conflict that happened in the show. I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> This is it. This is so weird just to hear like all this because it's just like I hear it and I'm like I am willing to, that this like does work in the show, but like just with how like they still like did the movie like with the changes that they made, it's still a it's movie good. that like works like really but fucking well. It's confusing well. if you had seen the show first, you'd be like, yeah, the old changes are also bad changes. Like they're changes for the worse, but they're not bad either. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like it's. You- it's- it's like, I'm not being mad I got a B, but like, if I know I could have got an A, why did I get a B, you know? Yeah, it, it 
like hearing this kind of reminds me of like that argument that people make about like the Half Blood Prince, um, like the end, like in the tower scene, because like in the book, um, like different. Harry is is petrified. Oh, spoilers then, for the, Harry Potter. I'm not, I'm not gonna get into like the actual details of what happens, um, but then um, in the movie, he's not petrified. He's just told like stay down yeah, there, yeah. trust me. And then the thing happens, and it's two like very different things, but both of them still work really well because like one is com like based completely in trust, and the other one is just like what the fuck are you doing it's two different reactions but they still work very well okay. for their own respective stories they gave there's a fight in blackout where between usnavi and vanessa that was a fabricated fight in this in the movie because in the in the show that they gave the fight that nina and benny had to them I will, uh, yeah, I, I will say that's the uh, other moment that I'm just like, this guy no feels sense. like that. It's, it's, it's just a circum misunderstanding of circumstances. Right, they didn't want to change the lyrics. That's what it was. Ah. And they had to get someone because Nina and Benny didn't have the, the problem that they, or they erased the problem by having Benny in the room during a different discussion. There's a discussion between Nina and Nina's dad. Benny hears that originally, not in that scene. He gets told on his own off stage by Nina's dad saying that, I have sold the company to pay for Nina's education. He's told that when he gets fired. And so at the he's at the club drinking his life away, like depressed and like, like F you kind of thing to the world. And Nina comes in. He's like, ah, look, and a bunch of, with a bunch of our cab drivers too. And he told, tells her, he's like, oh, look, isn't it's the girl who cost us our jobs today. And, he, and she's like, it's not what I meant to do. And he's like, screw off. He's like, I'm going to make things right. And it's this whole... It's a better conflict that happened than what happened in the movie. I'm willing to bet that they, I'm willing to bet that they made that change because, like, I can already see, like, from that, like, the conflict, like, would have taken up a lot of, like, screen time, and, like, this is already trying to balance, like, a lot of shit and make it, like, still see, work well within the, the time frame that they have. It doesn't, take, it doesn't take up a lot of time. That's the problem with it. That change specifically, it gets result. They have that night. They still have sex. <laughs> um, great, great choice, great choice, buddy. <laughs> That's what happens. Like, no, that literally they, they end up as they're fighting. When the blackout happens, they scramble for each other. It's just, I'm mostly upset with the ninety six thousand thing because they give the t the ticket was the plot in the movie. Usnavi was already leaving, and that wasn't his way out. It was just helpful, and he didn't use the money for even his own dream. Because originally he used the money to fix up the bodega. That oh right, I forgot. In the blackout, the bodega got destroyed in the show. Like, it was vandalism when it happened and stuff. It got raided. They basically went to have 96,000 without, without the plot of the ticket, so they gave it to a different... They, they wrote a new reason for it to be gone. I think the reason works, because uh, it helps give Sonny more for his character, like, more of his wants and desires um, that we learned about um, in the movie. Um, so to have that element... Um, and realistically, they did this, again, because of, like, you know, shit that's been happening the last several years, and sure. they wanted to add that. And they found a way to make it work. Um, My problem is yeah. it, 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 it makes 96000 to me, have a little less meaning. The money, to me, is very low profile in everyone's mind. And again, great movie, just very, very, very different. And it confuses me to no end of most of the changes. Overall, though, I loved Anthony Ramos, first off. I loved every song in this. I loved the musical numbers. They were all fucking fantastic. My the director of this, John M. Chu, he directed Crazy Rich Asians. He's done other movies. And now he's set to direct um, the Wicked movie, which that has me very excited. Overall, though, I'm giving the movie a yay. You know, it's not like I've been complaining a lot. They changed and added a lot of things, so it's not the same story mm. anymore. Yeah, like, 
with how I am with like um, adaptations of literally anything, like at this point in my life, I know to expect that things are going to be different. Um, and like, you know, you have to make changes for film because of just the way the medium works, how the story unfolds and everything like that. Like things are going to get cut. Things are going to get added. Things are going to get changed. Will it make it? It's just all like, will it make the film itself work? Um, and of course that's always debatable of like, you know, was it a good choice? Was it bad? Who knows? For me, the only thing that I like movie wise in the near future, I'm worried about in terms of adaptation is the Uncharted movie, which I have <laughs> ranted about. There's, there's things that they're doing that I'm already worried about, but there are things that I am excited for. And because it's a prequel, I'm really not going to be able to like say like, oh, it's a bad adaptation because there's no actual Uncharted right. prequel game. We both love this movie. It's just, I'm going to watch it again soon. I think that's kind of like how I feel about Guardians 2 when I first saw it. Where I was really, really disappointed at first because it was not at all at a, like, um, to me it was fell a lot louder than the first one, but it's not bad, you know. Um, whereas it's this, just, it, this is just the kind of movie that you know that you like it and that uh, you know upon like further rewatches you're gonna find more to like, but it's just gonna take time. Right, but even just that, I, I still think it's. Eventually, you'll be able to see it more as its own thing um, than oh, the sh I, than compared to the show. I can do that now. It's just that's why I can give it a higher rating than I would if I didn't see it. Part it's still there's still just weird things. Like if I like Ready Player One, it's an entirely different story. <laughs> yes, that is definitely a case of like, wow, you changed everything. But again, we've we've talked about this before personally. Like, I think the changes that they made in the movie, most of them, work well for the for for the uh, media medium of film, um, in terms of like just making it an exciting film and pushing the narrative sure. forward. Now, of course, there are changes in there that's just like, well, that either a does nothing or b was a weird choice. Right. Um, and I feel and like sometimes the book did things better. I feel like we have similar thought. Yeah, I think often in the book for a one, it was like I think a lot of character choices from from book to movie were better in the book, of course, you saw. Yeah. And it's kind of a similar reaction. Um, it's like, why... Like, it's fine. It works on its own. It's it's good. But why did you do those things? Um, mm -hmm. When they when they worked better before. And I, I guess... I was just... I just let, let's get like Lynn and the writer of the show and movie uh, like on the podcast. Let's just, let's just ask them these questions. It can't be too hard, right? I would love that. I'd love to just discuss because I'm not trying to insult your work. I love the movie. I think it's just I'm confused. It's still great. It's just not you're watching a different story. It's different. It's an entirely different script. A lot of changes, but they keep the spirit alive, and that's that's what I want when I'm watching anything. Keep the spirit alive. If you're just a lover of musicals, both stage and screen, um, if you're looking for just a really damn good movie that is not only just a great movie, but a really fun one that'll make you feel emotions and shit, this is a great one to choose. Uh, I highly recommend seeing it in theaters because it's just fucking awesome to see in theaters. But if you can't for any number of reasons, then it's on HBO Max. Um, I'll definitely be re-watching re it soon, uh, but it's easily one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Super weird stories, Josh. Okay, so you ready for this? Sure. Damn it! So, Josh, I realized we probably should have flipped these segments because I had a great segue otherwise. Nah. So these facts are about Loki. <laughs> huh? That's strange. A, I wonder why. So super weird stories. I'm flipping on its head a little bit. It's not going to be a super weird story. Like, at least not, not in the super aspect. I mean, not not in the way that it's been in the past few episodes. I'm gonna this episode's gonna this talk will be about Loki the Norse god. 
because, like the actual like yeah, mythology because we i figured it'd be it'd be fitting to compare since we talk about loki the character in marvel movies to compare a little bit to how was he like in mythology fun and i'm using a, a, a page on a website called norse gods and goddesses facts about loki <laughs> that's always fun so what do you want to know josh uh what's go. his favorite pie i'm gonna go with key lime because it's green yeah sounds um, about right uh, let's start with the fact that the first earliest reference of him was in a 13th century collection of norse poems called poetic edda the poems are passed down from generation to generation also my uh processing power has gone down until i'm gonna go with five now instead of six like i said last time i've gone down a point after talking about the heights that are in josh yes did you know that Loki is known for his part in the death of Baldur? Baldur is the son of Odin. Um, also, Loki is the brother of Odin, not uh, son originally. You say uh, Loki wait. is the, Loki is the brother of Odin, sort of. Interesting. Sort of. I, I'm, I'll get into it in a minute. But and who'd you say Baldur was? Baldur is the son of Odin. <laughs> So, yes. uh, Loki killed him with a spear made from mistletoe. Thrown at This is... Huh, I, <laughs> this is... At, literally, um, this was in the newest God of War game. Baldur um, was basically the main villain, um, and he had no weaknesses at all. And then um, Atreus, uh, Kratos' son... Uh, at the end of the game, we find out he was originally going to be named Loki, and yeah. I don't know if it's... Uh, he, fi he figures out his weakness is that, um, and that's how you're able to kill him. So that's interesting. His father was a giant, and his mother may have been a giantess. Like, may have. It's funny. He had several children, including Jormungand, a giant snake living in the sea surrounding, surrounding, the, world, surrounding the known world. He basically gave birth to a giant freaking serpent that was the monster of the seas. All right, um, then. Also, he shapeshifted into a horse, a female horse had sex with a with a male horse and it gave birth to an eight-legged foal this this man was very curious <laughs> um well he's gender fluid or they they're, they're gender fluid it's like, as a, they always have been they are now also that, in the mcu confirmed to be that that's cool that, then let me rephrase that god was very curious yes. um also the way the comics approach loki's gender fluidity is by Whenever they are shape-shifting into the form of a male, or they are in the Loki normal form, they are referred to as he-him, pronouns-wise. If they are shape-shifting into, into any female, they are referred to as she-her. That's pretty cool. Similarly in Norse mythology. Did you know that also, do you know, remember in Thor Ragnarok, the giant wolf, Fenrir? Fenris? Yes. That's that's Loki's child. In, huh. in the comics. Well, not comics, in the, in the, Nor in the, in the original Norse mythology. Um... Loki would asked a giant to help build Asgard, one of the nine worlds, huh. the gods. Uh, the giant asked for the sun and moon if he completed the work on time. I don't know if he got it, but that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> the gods. I wonder what kind of time crunch uh, they were on. The gods became tired of Loki's jokes and mischievous behavior. Naturally, um, yeah. They chained him to a rock, where a poisonous serpent dripped venom onto him. Uh, his shouts of pain supposedly caused the earthquakes. That's fascinating. Also terrible. They got tired of, of his uh, him just being annoying, so they tortured him forever. <laughs> She's like this. This guy's a, this. This person's annoying. Let's let's just tie. I'm bored. Let's tie them up. We're gonna go with now a next thing called Loki facts for kids. <laughs> you ready for this? Sure. Also, I'm gonna mention one thing. In uh, you know Hella, 
Yeah. In, in Ragnarok, her original version is called Hell. And she looks half skeletal, half like flowy Renaissance goddess woman. I would have loved to see Kate Blanchett as that. Right? It's a cool. I'll show you the picture later. It's a really cool I'm, design. I mean, I mean, I love her design in Ragnarok as it is, but like just that idea alone is just like, that sounds awesome. Loki has a magical cloak. And at time, uh, at named Freya's magical cloak. So he had a, he borrowed Freya's cl magical cloak at times to change into a falcon. Take that, Sam Wilson. And he had been known to take the form of a mare, a salmon, and an old Jotun woman. That's an ice giant woman. He liked to shape it a lot. He already uh, gave birth to a horse. Uh, That's, I, I'm, I don't want to know what the pain process is like for an animal giving birth is like if you've seen big animals give birth like cows and stuff like oh my the eight-legged horse is called uh Sleipnir. and that horse became the favorite horse of odin <laughs> poor loki this just raises so many more questions for the future of the god of war game <laughs> loki has also had many other children like hell or hella what's the movie look yeah that, that's his daughter um fenrir the wolf Jormungandr, or your your, I can't pronounce. And then he and his uh, children became enemies of gods in Ragnarok, aka like the death of everything. Basically, uh, this next line just says Loki is a murderer. I uh, mean, yeah. He cut off the hair of Thor's wife Sif, but then replaced it. He tricked a giant into building the defensive walls of Asgard, stole Freya's necklace, helped Thor rescue his hammer Mjolnir. Gave the goddess uh, to a giant. It's, I can't pronounce this one, and it has a funny symbol. I, can't, I don't know what it is. It's Nordic. I don't know some of these things. Um, then rescued her, etc. He was blamed for the death of the god Baldur. Um, he was using the blind god Hold Holdor's hands, I think. Uh, and in a poem called Loki's arguments. <laughs> I love that it's called that. He insulted all the gods and goddesses, every single one of them, in his poem. A small child. Uh, for this, Loki was punished multiple times. <laughs> Not once. <but laughs> multiple, multiple times. times. <laughs> At Ragnarok, Loki was freed by the giants and fought against his rival, the god Heimdall, resulting in the demise of both of them. <laughs> Damn, that's rough, buddy. So Loki's a fascinating character in mythology. His mom was Laufey in mythology. Laufey was a, Laufey. the member of the Ice Giant Thor who killed, who tried to yeah, kill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it is unknown whether his mother was a lesser known goddess or a giant, and his father was definitely his father was definitely a giant. In in the God of War game, uh. Kratos's um, wife, uh, she was a giantess, but we don't learn that until the uh, end of the game. Interesting. In Old Norse, Loki means close. close. Which is funny, because we now say Loki, and that's like, uh, 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 that's, that's pretty funny to me. Oh yeah, and Fenrir, uh, Loki's, Loki's wolf baby, eats Odin during Ragnarok. Oof. <laughs> that's rough, buddy. <laughs> I still think it's funny he blinded someone and killed him with mistletoe. <laughs> yeah so that's that's loki for your mythology what do you is it how different is that than what you thought it was going to be uh i did 
I knew like a, like a tiny bit, um, but most of it was from the God of War game. But also, I had no idea like exactly like how much of that like was like purely taken from the mythology and how much wasn't. Uh, there's some stuff like the World Serpent in the game, like uh, he already exists as not a creation of Loki. Uh, there's a lot of things that had to exist without Loki because we don't lo find out that Kratos' son is Loki at right. the end of the game. But other than that, like, there's some stuff, like, with Balder that was kept pretty faithfully. Uh, I think in the game, he was the son of Odin. I don't know if that's what he said or not. He's not son uh, of... Uh, wait, who is Balder? Yeah, I think... Yeah, Balder is the that's brother correct. of Thor and the son of Odin. That's correct. Um, okay. Also, I think it's pronounced Thor. Just, just hearing all these facts about Loki just makes me go, man, I'm really excited for God of War Ragnarok. It's gonna be so much fun. <laughs> um, that wraps up our podcast. If you have any thoughts on anything, Josh? Do good, school kids. Uh, do good, don't die, smash all the way. Are you disappointed in an official nickname this week? Yes, and the next week I better get the best nickname ever or else. Josh, I am at 3% was... capacity of my battery, of the Sean battery. Meaning, well, then... after this, I get food. Thank you all so much, so much for listening to the podcast this week, episode 5. Next week, we, we might bring a guest on, who knows? Who knows? Who will that guest be? Currently, I don't know. And I don't know if Sean knows. <laughs> no, we're, guests would be fun, though. Do you guys want to hear see guests? Also, do you want to have shout-outs? Because we eventually would love to have, like, reading emails or um, just shouting you out or anything like that. Or send us your cat scratching as a theme song. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Josh, they can find you on Twitter, right? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Rudy28, the Instagrams at J underscore Rudy16, and on YouTube at Josh Rudolph. I do movie reviews, video essays, other things very infrequently, but hey, I still do them. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at The Theater Nerd, and you also, you can also run the Geek Speak and Nerd Talk uh, social media pages, and I make the, I edit the podcast and put it up there, so... Just email us at nerdtalkproductionsyt at gmail.com, or tweet at us at nerd talk underscore prod on twitter using the hashtag geek speak pod thank you all for listening to this podcast and tune in again next week for more news i promise if you hate theater next week will not be about theater unless it is we might we might make it uh, about all about theater next week just to piss you off actually it might genuinely be about theater so who knows <laughs> anyway thank you for listening see ya bye, bye. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.